Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I think we have created a habit. Doesn't mean we're not going to continue to remind you. In fact, I just sent a tweet out a few minutes ago reminding you that the Polk's Pick 6 Challenge for the week is up. But I did go and look. Having not promoted the fact that it has been up, already 125 of you have your picks in for the week. Uh, hoping that we can get over 500. We've been knocking on the door to 500 of you. Uh, getting in the Polk's Pick 6 contest. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, maybe you're new to the show, maybe you just haven't participated yet. We've been talking about Polk's here for a long time. You know that Fridays are Food Fridays presented by Polk's Meat. There is a chance each week for you to win a six-pack of Polk's Meat products. All you got to do is go online to supertalk.fm slash Polk's and pick the winners of six games. This week's games, Ole Miss LSU, Southern Miss Texas State, Mississippi State, Alabama, Texas A&M, South Carolina, UCLA, Oregon, and Texas, Oklahoma State. It's simple. You just pick the winners. You put a total score this week, the tiebreaker, total number of points in the Ole Miss LSU game. Give us your name, cell number, and your email address, and you are entered to win a chance for a six-pack of Polk's Meat Products. Eric sent me a message today that uh, yesterday's winner, which I got to him yesterday afternoon, their uh, prize package was going out today. And uh, that was Reese, who lives in Oxford. And uh, I think it's the first uh, Oxford winner that we've had so far this season. Reese is oddly similar to Richard. Um, I'm not gaming the system. Was that an alias? Nope. Are you like me on next door? Okay, Borky, let me let you in on a little secret. To win this week, you had to do what Reese did. And he was the only person out of the 400 and what, almost 450 entries that picked all six games correctly. That's a week crazy. ago, we had over 100 people pick all six games correctly. This past week, it was one, and it was Reese. And so Reese, not Richard, is extremely deserving. I do, however, have two packages of Polk sausage in the refrigerator right now. Nice. Right now. I don't want to spoil it for Friday, but I, I haven't gotten them yet. I have to go get some for something I'm making on Saturday night, so... Mm. Yeah, getting a little creative. I've been watching this guy who goes by Stale Cracker on YouTube. <laughs> okay. He's uh he's a Cajun guy. He owns a uh a, a crawfish. I don't know if he owns the farm or or what, but he does crawfish and, and catfish and stuff. And he's really popular on YouTube because he puts on a a mullet wig 
and really like overdoes a Cajun accent and makes incredible Cajun food on YouTube. It, That's it, awesome. Um, it, anyway, so he inspired me to make something. So we'll do that Saturday. But hey, I'm, I, so we put the Polks to work last weekend. We uh, had some friends over after the uh, the game in Oxford last Saturday on on Saturday night. And uh, Mama Jane did a big old pot of jambalaya with uh, a heaping helping of Polk's Cajun sausage in it, and it was fantastic. That sounds great. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about the weekend. So this is the last weekend, as far as I know, that I'm not going to have a TV game. Uh, and so I have been fortunate to be able to continue to work with Ole Miss some uh, on the sidelines during the season when I haven't had television conflicts. You remember last year, Obi went with me on a road trip to uh, to Knoxville. I don't know if he was the good luck charm or not, but uh, my wife suggested and had somebody else suggest, hey, you got to take Obi again. And I was like, yeah, we should do that. And so he and I, after his flag football game tonight, we're going to hit the road, and we're going to get to Baton Rouge late tonight, sleep in in the morning. We are uh, going to help uh, run some crab traps on Lake Pontchartrain tomorrow afternoon. Yes. Pretty pretty excited about yes. that. Which, by the way, if you've never done that, that is a lot of work. Yeah, but still, he's going to have a blast. He won't. He won't be doing all the work anyway. He'll he'll get to sit back and you know just have all the fun parts of it. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that. That'll be cool. And they got a party with some friends that we're going to uh, tomorrow night to uh, get ready for the uh, the weekend, and then uh, a little little ball game on Saturday afternoon. In, uh, in Baton Rouge with Ole Miss and LSU. We've got a ton to get to this afternoon. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can visit PearlRiverResort.com to see about everything that's happening there, including what's going on at the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. That's PearlRiverResort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line, that's the way to do it, 601-879-4395. Again, 601 879 Four three nine five. You know how we love college football. One, yes, one of I the do. one of the great things about college football is how insane it is, right? The Alabama Tennessee game w- was good because it was crazy, right? You had weird turnovers, you had the environment, stuff like that. It, it was college football is more chaotic on the field and off the field. Fans are absolutely nuts, and we love it, and it's also really stupid. Have you seen Nebraska today, Nebraska Twitter? So every not year, seen it. Tell me about you it. You should expect this every year, okay. regardless. It, plane tracking. People, for some reason, think that mm-hmm. you can track airplanes for coach interviews, and it's always really stupid because it's always more discreet than that. However... That used to be a thing, but but schools and boosters and private jet companies have wisened up, yeah, and they do have ways of disguising tail numbers. And so, a, a plane this past weekend went through Lincoln, Nebraska, to Oxford, back to Lincoln, and somewhere else. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, so you know what happened while Ole Miss was playing a home game. Uh, Lane Kiffin apparently got on the plane and went to Lincoln to interview because that's totally how that works. But that's not the insane part. You should expect that. The Internet does dumb Internet things, and people are really stupid, and it's fun and goofy. What blows my mind is the people, the Nebraska fans, 
replying to that saying, oh, I hope not. He sucks. Or I don't want him. <laughs> it's like, okay, the play tracking's crazy, but I love it. Nebraska turning up their nose at that guy is like, we need to institutionalize those people. You could only dream of a hire that good. You're not going to yeah. get it, but you could only dream of that. That doesn't seem to make just a, uh, a whole ton of sense, does it? No. I do love it though, because I mean, it just these are otherwise you hope like rational people. You hope so anyway, because they get to drive cars like everybody. They presumably are able to have children. They vote in elections. Like you hope that they're of sound mind, but they remove all logic, all rational thought, and because a plane flew from Oxford to Lincoln on Saturday, Lane Kiffin's our next head coach. They just remove all logic and jump straight to that. I love it. Mike in Oxford on the ceasefire text line says, don't talk about Kiffin going to Nebraska on the radio, Borky. You say it, and it'll happen. <laughs> There's a couple of people on Twitter that think that because we've jumped ahead of LSU, that the team is also going to be looking ahead of LSU. Because we talked about yesterday... You know, their chances to win A&M and would you take one win in the next two and all that. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I, I was reminded that uh, it needs to one be taken time, one game you. at a time. Yeah, because... Yeah, you're right. Players and coaches need to. Uh, radio people don't so much have to do that. In fact, I was talking with a friend earlier this week. He's like, man, I see this, 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 and this happen. I was like, whoa, there's... I was like, calm down just say. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm not a player. I'm not a coach. I get to have visions of uh, sugar plums dancing in my head anytime I want to. Well, that's uh, that's fair enough. Uh, somebody says, just jumped on. Where is Haydad? He is on a secret mission and will return tomorrow. Actually, I don't know how secret the mission is. I don't remember if he said what he was actually doing on the he, radio. He so did I, not, so we can speculate, even though we know what he's doing. Uh, let me Google Chelsea soccer schedule. No, I don't think that's the deal today. I, uh, no, it's... I, 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 he, is, uh, he is taking care of... Uh, some family stuff, and I, I, I like not like it's just family related. Nobody's sick, nobody's yeah, whatever. He's good. She got a day off. He will be back tomorrow. In fact, I will be out tomorrow, so you'll get Haydad and uh, and Borky tomorrow. Uh, so all good. Thanks for asking. Glad you missed him. But well, you may not be glad that you're missing him today, but I think he was enjoying a day off and was uh, excited about some of the stuff that they had going on uh, this weekend as well. Uh, hey, Dad's plan, unless it has changed, is that he is headed to Tuscaloosa on Saturday to uh, cover that game. So he will be there in person. Um, so there. Is that actually Hey, Dad, that sent us a text? Oh, it is. He says he's driving through Jackson right now. Wait a minute. Hey, Dad's texted the show. He's texted the show before. He has. I didn't know that. It does appear that his primary um, text person is Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. More, if people think you and him are yin and yang, Gerard and him are are the real yin and yang. Yeah. But they uh, get Mike along and Oxford. Anybody. Uh, I, I tell you what. Tell you what. Why don't you send us... On the ceasefire text line, what you think Brian Haydad is doing today? <laughs> Mike in Oxford gets us started. He said Brian is putting up lights so he can grill at night. 
Uh, hey, Dad, as a responsible texter, I'm sure it's voice texting and not uh, actually punching in the uh, numbers or the letters himself. More coming up, Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. appreciate every single person that listens to this radio show. But we have a special level of appreciation for those of you who somehow, some way, manage to listen to basically every word every single day. I, I don't know how you pull it off. We thank you. Uh, if we knew who all of you were, we probably would like try to send you a T-shirt or a cup or something. Please don't flood me with that. I, I I don't know how to even pull that off. That would be somebody else's department within our company if we were going to actually do that. But we do appreciate it as evidenced by your responses to what Brian Haydad is doing. Somebody asked, where's Haydad today? Um, some of the responses are pretty good. <laughs> but several of you have reminded me that we did say on the air, that he said on the air earlier this week that he was going to his hometown of Vicksburg to pick up his mother, and she was going to come back to uh, Starkville and kind of hang out for a few days with his family. So, yes, that is where he's uh, he's also listening as we drive along. And so it does feel like we should read some of these responses. There's a theme here. Brian is putting up lights so he can grill at night, so he can smoke lasagna. George in West Point, he says he is on a mission from God, kind of like the Blues Brothers, but it's just him. Uh Picking up his mother, picking up his mother. Somebody said he's picking up his mother at the airport. I did correct that as like I don't think Mrs. Haydad is has anything to do with the airport. By the way, hey Dad, I don't know if your mom's in the car and you, you, you are listening together as you drive along. If that is the case, Mrs. Haydad, ninety seven point four percent of what he says about me completely untrue. Made up, fabricated. He's just making me out to be the bad guy. I I mostly like your son a lot. Mostly. Most of the time. Thanks for uh, being with us this afternoon. Uh, there were a couple of other suggestions for what Hey Dad was doing. Judging a cow patty contest in Starkville. Okay. Um, on his way to the... Can I say that? Would that be insensitive? To, I don't know. Maybe that would be insensitive to somebody, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, getting hydrated and motivated for Food Friday. I keep thinking that we're going to... Uh, um, we're going to have a bet. What I wish I had a thought of going into the season was getting people to send us their tailgate spreads, whether it be on Monday or just on social media on Saturdays. I feel mm-hmm. like I have, I've missed the mark. It's too late at this point. Uh, very few home games left, if you can believe that, by the way. Uh, very few home games left. So I kind of ruined that. But that, that'll that be... What, two for Ole Miss, right? They've got the yep. uh, Alabama game on November 12th, and then they've got Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night, the 24th, for Mississippi State. Home games remaining... Auburn, Georgia, East Tennessee State. So it's at Alabama this weekend, and then an open date, and then three straight home games. Auburn, Georgia, Bulldogs coming to town November 12th, 
and then East Tennessee State in the uh, f- the the penultimate game of the season before they travel to Oxford for the Egg Bowl. And with all due respect to the Bucks, that's that really only counts as half. Yeah, that's fair. Counts in the dub column though for uh, Mississippi State. It, get, it gets you a win nonetheless, but yes. So you wanted tailgate spread sent yeah, to us? Yeah, I, I, I wish that was something that we had done. Because people, you know, hey, Dad, shout out to you, buddy, likes to make uh, jokes about cold chicken tenders in the Grove, but people get really creative there. And people are, are have a little bit more freedom at Mississippi State to cook at the tailgate. I would love to see what people are working with. Because mm-hmm. I've got friends that, I mean, the, those seven weekends a year, they plan, like, on Monday what they're going to do Saturday. And it takes work. And, like, they put hours into the tailgate. And since, you know, you work games, he works home games, I'm in Jackson with five screens in front of me working, we don't get to see that. You're wanting to live vicariously. Yes, I, I want to, like... G- Throw myself back to the days where I got to participate and stuff like that. All right, so what about the games this weekend? Let's look at some of the spreads on these games and talk a little about them. We know Ole Miss LSU, Ole Miss a two-and-a-half point underdog. Mississippi State a 21-point underdog in Tuscaloosa. Some of these, though, are fascinating. Outside the footprint, if you will. Texas A&M. At South Carolina. Borky, if you didn't know, I mean, like, if you had not typed up this sheet and plugged in the number, so I'm asking you to kind of, like, remove yourself from the situation, what would you think the line on this game was? Six to seven. Texas A&M is a three-point favorite. Only a three-point favorite in Columbia, South Carolina. Things going to get weird on Saturday night in Columbia? There's questions about Haynes King's health. Uh, going into this game, they're already down a quarterback, so there's a chance they're going to be down another one. I mm-hmm. mean, it, okay. So it sounds like he's going to play. Jimbo said he was, but it, at this point of the year, a lot of guys are banged up. He apparently appears to be one. This is a critical football game. Buried in a weekend of a lot more interesting games, I agree. this one really is, but nobody's going to pay attention to it. I mean, you realize that South Carolina's 4-2. and two. They, they are. Yeah. South Carolina's 4-2. and two. That win over Kentucky for them two weeks ago was just massive. Their losses are Georgia and on the road in Fayetteville where they scored five touchdowns. Yeah. So South Carolina has A&M this weekend. And then Missouri. Both at home. And then they go to Vanderbilt. And then they go to Florida. Now, the last, they need to get to six or seven over the course of the next three weeks. Next four weeks, because they finished with Tennessee and Clemson, and the Clemson game is on the road. And the more I watch South Carolina, the more impressed I am with Shane Beamer. One of the one of the most overused words in college football, I think, is culture. But the culture that he's building around that program is it it's real, because he's real. And, and I ask somebody. It's Tom Hart. I was like, is he as good a guy as he seems like? He's like, I mean, I don't like really know him, but from all of my interaction, yeah. Seems like kind of what you see is what you get. 
In some ways, does Shane Beamer to you feel like Dabo Sweeney light? Kind of does, although I feel like... But but more real? It feels like he's real. People um, haven't soured on him because he hasn't started winning big. Well, and if he does start winning big, that'll change things. He's recruiting really well, too. Just a, a quality class, just a bunch of four-stars filled in it. It, it. It's a slow build at a place like that. I mean, think about what they're up against. It's similar to Mississippi. Now, there's more people in South Carolina. There's there's bigger metro areas. There's three of them that are much larger than our biggest one. But they're in a state with a dominant college football power. Imagine trying to build a program in a small southern state when your biggest rival is a dominant college football power. That's It's tough, and it's harder than people are maybe giving it credit for because it's not just building on your own, which isn't easy in the SEC, when you lack resources compared to Georgia and Florida and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But you're also building against Clemson, who when you go into a living room of a local kid and Clemson goes into a living room of a local kid, they've got a bunch of rings they can put on the table, and you don't. It changes things. You're right. You're right. Here's a game that kicks at 11 o'clock on Fox. Iowa at Ohio State. Now, if you have watched any of Iowa football this year, one, you deserve a medal, and two, you know how bad they are offensively. They scored seven points in a win in the season opener. They lost to Iowa State, scoring only seven. Nevada is awful. Nevada just got beat by Hawaii. They beat them 27 to nothing. They scored 27 against Rutgers. That's their best win. They scored 14 in a loss against Michigan, and most recently they lost 9-6 to against Illinois. They can do nothing offensively, but the flip side of that is they have given up 3, 10, 0, 10, 27 to Michigan, and then 9 to Illinois. And so, as Iowa travels to Columbus, Ohio this weekend to face Ohio State, you look at that on the surface, you go... That is horrible. Ohio State's going to blow them out. And you're probably right. But this is far and away the biggest test that Ohio State's offense has seen this season. So whatever you think about Iowa and how putrid they are, I think that's Haydad's word, on the offensive side of the ball, they are legit on the defensive side. They are. And in a game like this, it could get masked, too, because if they go three and out, punt, three and out, punt the whole game, you're just giving Ohio State more possessions. But that's what I'm watching for. So we've talked about you know flaws with the Ole Miss team. And, well, I don't know if they can stop the run enough to be a real contender, but look at the top of college football. Alabama just gave up 52 points. Georgia might not be explosive enough offensively. Everybody's got a flaw. Ohio State so far has been, doesn't look like they can score that much. Here's your test. Here's confirmation. If you're curious, Ohio State schedule so far, Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Michigan State. Gross. Woof. Woof. Sports Talk Mississippi, Brody Miller will join us next. We'll talk some LSU with him. Mississippi app. Sports Talk Mississippi, to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
Mississippi with you Thursday afternoon. We are getting close to uh, another big college football weekend. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Brody Miller joins us. He covers LSU for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Brody A. Miller. And, Brody, let's just start with the uh, the story that you wrote for The Athletic. Is LSU ready to stop Ole Miss's run of offensive domination? And your focus was on the ground game. So when you look at this matchup, is that the most important thing, what Ole Miss does on the ground versus LSU's defense? I'd say so, right? I mean, I think Ole Miss's run game is as good of a unit as there is in college football. And, and nobody, people have been able to maybe, you, you know as well as I, maybe – Pain and no one's really been able to flat out stop it, and, and I think that is kind of the key in a lot of ways. Because if Ole Miss gets if Ole Miss gets ahead, I don't really trust LSU to come back in a game like this, and and I really think it's going to dictate a lot of it. I mean, no, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup because it's like talent wise, LSU does match up well to stop the run. They got a really really talented defensive line, a lot of good physical players. You know, you would think they can, but the last two weeks. It's been bizarrely a pretty porous run defense against Tennessee and against Florida. Some kind of new foreign tackling issues have presented themselves. So I just, I mean, obviously I think the Jane Daniels thing we'll get to will probably play a huge part in this game, but I just think I'm really focused on that run game for sure. So you mentioned run game last week against Florida and, and Florida putting up some numbers. I, I think there are two things that pop in what you just said. Number one, there was an 81-yard run in there, which skews the numbers. Now, I know a lot of people are like, well, if you take that one out, you, you can't take that one out, right? That's part of the game plan. It's part of the flow of the game. But the other part of what you mentioned, the tackling issues on that 81-yard run, LSU was it was like there was confusion as to whether or not it was tackle football or flag football. Yeah, and that's almost what makes kind of analyzing, you know, what this run defense is a little more confusing because it's like, especially the Florida game especially, but Tennessee too, it was like, it wasn't like they were giving up glaring holes all game. You know, you know, then like the run defense was like fundamentally an issue, but it's just been this tackling thing. And, and I think a really common thing with this LSU defense has been they got a lot of guys who want to go for a big hit. And, by the way, they're pretty good at going for big hits, you know. they got some safeties and corners like Jay Ward and, and, uh, and um, sorry, Greg Brooks, who, who lay out huge hits, you know. They got, but, but it's leading to a lot of bounce-off tackles and things like that against talented teams. So, tackling, you know, tackling usually falls in the category of can get addressed, can be fixed. Because, like I said, I don't think they're giving up glaring holes but they're 78 nationally in yards after contact, and that's obviously very important to this game. You know, one of the things that's fascinating to me, Brody, if you look at Ole Miss through their first seven games, it, it, it's almost like within the offensive scheme, one thing or the other has been dominant. And really, for six of those seven games, it's been the run game. But against Vanderbilt, where they really loaded up to try and stop the run and had some success doing so, I think held Ole Miss to about 150 yards. Well, that was a day that Jackson Dart went crazy, and they threw it for 450. Based on what you see from LSU defensively, and and maybe what you've studied on Ole Miss a little bit, do you feel like this is a week where Ole Miss becomes a little more diverse offensively? I think it has to be LSU's plan, right? You know, I, again, this is no like coming at Jackson Dart, but you know, I, I don't know if he is in that like top tier of SEC quarterback. And if you want a chance in this, you probably do want to. Ask Jackson Dart to make to make Ole Miss win that game. So, but it's going to be fascinating in a lot of ways because I mean LSU's corners have played better than 
most of us expected. We expected that to be the biggest weakness, and they played pretty decent. So, But at the same time, if LSU, say, like Vanderbilt, focuses on the run, leaves one-on-ones on the outside, I would assume advantage in a vacuum goes to Ole Miss there. But I don't know. It's going to be such a big test for Jackson Dart because, like you said, Vanderbilt's not, I mean, even though they're getting better, not exactly the best opponent to, like, really test him. So there's so many things I'm just intrigued to find out. You know, for one, like we said, how is Ole Miss run game going to do against, you know, a, a really talented front seven? And then, two, just can Jackson Dart win those matchups? Because, yeah, I do take Mingo over, you know, your average LSU corner in a one-on-one in a play action or something like that. That's why, you know, I think LSU probably is going to play that way to try to make Ole Miss beat them in the air, but it could backfire. <laughs> Yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we'll see how that piece of it shakes out. Visiting with Brody Miller from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Brody A. Miller. All right, what about LSU's offense facing off against what Ole Miss has done defensively? Rebels are third in the SEC in points allowed, though that number's trending up over the last few weeks as the competition has gotten a little bit better. So Jaden Daniels, right? He had the, the anomaly year last year where he has 10 interceptions and 10 touchdowns at Arizona State. He's really protected the football when you think about the importance of Jaden Daniels on Saturday, do you start with his arm or with his legs? His arm in the sense that I think in general, I think four years have proven like he's going to get some yards on the ground, right? You know, And I think that's usually it's probably not going to go for 115, he's probably, but he's going to get his yards. I think it's, it's the arm because you saw Saturday against Florida. And I'm not saying Florida's a great defense, but they're SEC bodies. It was the first time in seven games LSU has seen Jane Daniels just look confident. It's not about how great of a football he throws. It's not about him being some elite passer. What Brian Kelly has been kind of pleading with him all season is don't worry so much about taking care of the football. Mm. Trust your receivers. Because LSU has, I mean, they were supposed to have one of the, I don't know, first or second best receiving cores in the country, and they still do. But Jane Daniels hasn't really been conducive to getting the most out of that. He's so focused on not making a mistake and all those things that he takes off running, or unless the guy's just flat out open, he doesn't throw it. And I think what you saw Saturday was he just felt like if he had a one-on-one, even if the guy wasn't quote-unquote open, he just threw it, and he throws a nice football. That's the thing. And they he threw for almost 400 yards, and LSU looked like a, a very good offense because those receivers won every one-on-one. They won every jump ball. They have that ability. So it's like if, if that's I'm not saying he's going to throw that well every game, but if that's the version of Jane Daniels they get every week where he is a guy who just is can decisively throw the ball and trust his guys, LSU's a favorite in this game. Like, that version of LSU, that's a top 15 team, right? That's the version that they hoped for before the season. Am I buying that that's who it's going to be? Oh, of course not. It's, there's one game of sample size. <laughs> he needs to He needs to prove it. But that's the thing, right? It's like if that's the version, this is a really good team so that, I think that will decide a lot of this game, too. Brody, I used the phrase to, to describe Jaden Daniels last week. He just let it rip, right? I mean, exactly. it, it, it was like, hey, just you know, for, forget about all the other stuff and let it fly and go trust those receivers. Kayshawn Booty uh, felt like, I mean, wasn't last week his best game of the year, maybe by a lot? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, he, was, he was, I think he had like 190 yards for the whole year, and he had like 130 on Saturday or something like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and it's like, and what what happened really on top of everything we're agreeing on is like, because he trusted himself to go put a forty yard pass up to Brian Thomas in a one on one, or because he trusted himself to throw it up to 
the Malik neighbors. All of a sudden, all those guys are making the plays that, by the way, that's their strength. And then that's opening up the defense. And finally, Kayshawn Booty is not being doubled as much. And you're getting those openings. And you're getting, you know, the run game set up to set up the play action. Just everything branched off that. And, again, it was Florida. It's not a good defense. But still, that is the hope for LSU going forward. So, yeah, I completely agree. If that's the, the Jay Daniels you get, all of a sudden those receivers are one of the better units in the country. This game a shootout? Was it played in the 30s, possibly in the 40s? Really good question. I don't know, right? Because <laughs> it's like our whole this whole segment, right, has been basically like, I have no idea what's going to happen if Ole Miss is going to be able to run the ball as well, and I have no idea which Jade Daniels we're going to get. So it's like, it's so hard to figure out. I think my gut says it's a little more high, high scoring. You know, you combine Ole Miss, LSU's tackling issues, you combine Daniels maybe turning a corner. Yeah, I feel like I'm leaning that way, but, man, I, I don't actually know. Last thing for you, Brody. What is the level of juice among LSU fans going into this game? And and does it feel different than uh, maybe the other home games so far this year, given that Ole Miss is a top-10 team? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I think the juice in a lot of ways in Baton Rouge isn't that crazy high in general right now, and I think that's because a lot of it is like, this is a transition year to them. There's not a lot. It's just this kind of week-to-week sporadic thing that, like, there wasn't that great of a crowd for the Mississippi State game, quite frankly. And and Tennessee was – that was a big game. That was 25 versus, like, number seven in the country. Big, And Tennessee packed that stadium. Like, it, it So I don't know what's going on. You know as well as I, Tiger Stadium is normally one of the toughest environments in the country. Yeah. It's a little weird. But I mean, the downplay, yes. I, I, you, you know as well as I that LSU Ole Miss, like, they hate each other, and it's a night game, and, and you saw it a few years ago, and LSU wants to ruin Ole Miss's season. They want to bring Lane Kiffin down, all that stuff. So, yeah, I do think there's plenty of juice for this game. There's no doubt about that. I'm just prefacing, like, there is kind of a weird vibe right now. Are we classifying 2.30 now as a night game? Come on. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness, that's on me for just forgetting it's not a night game. <laughs> it's not a night game. I mean, at some point we're going to hear the PA announcer say the sun sets in the western sky and all that good stuff, but it feels like it's going to be late fourth quarter when that happens. It's, it's absolutely true. Thank you for correcting me there. But, yeah, no, I mean, that's going to be a big wrinkle in this game because that 11 a.m. crowd was weak. And, and you know, I, I, we'll see, I think there was yeah. another 11 a.m. game that wasn't great, and I think this 2.30, it's like, I don't know if it's going to be as full as Tiger Stadium needs it to be. So that could be a small advantage for Ole Miss for sure. We'll see. Brody, great stuff, man. Thanks so much, as always, for your time. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, as always. Take care. Brody Miller for The Athletic covers LSU. Brody A. Miller on Twitter does really good work. Cool story up there now that you can read as you get set for this weekend's matchup. Brody joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside the dark and cold where blues won't haunt you 
Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. And, of course, on your Supertalk radio stations. Thanks to Brody Miller for joining us. Really good information there on the Farm Bureau guest line. Favorites.com. You hear me say that a lot. Check out the website, F-A-V-E-Rates.com. You go there. And you simply enter your zip code. So you plug in your zip code, mine is 38655, and then you click Get a Quote. And it takes you and it asks you whether or not you want to bundle coverage or you uh, want individual quotes. You can get auto insurance or property insurance, but really what you do then is you reach out to a local agent. And there's a really good chance that you already know a local agent. 82 counties in Mississippi, 82 counties in which there is a Farm Bureau insurance office. People you go to work with, see at the ballpark, see at church, see at the grocery store, and uh, they'd love to help you. Become a member today. Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ceasefire text line. Why are there not a lot of night games in Baton Rouge? They would love for there to be exclusively night games in Baton Rouge, but the home school doesn't get to decide. Ole Miss would have liked its last two home games to have been at night in Oxford. They were both at 11. There is zero say-so for the schools. Or the league office. Or the league office. It's CBS first and then ESPN. And after, what, one more year? It will be all ESPN. ESPN will set the times for every single game that is played in the SEC, with the exception of the one game a year that can be placed on ESPN+. Plus. You know, when you play, what, when Ole Miss plays Central Arkansas and Mississippi State plays East Tennessee State, that's an ESPN Plus game, and you can pick your game time then. Otherwise, you're fully at the mercy of the networks. I saw people say after uh, the Ole Miss-Auburn game was announced to be a 11 a.m. say that Keith Carter needs to raise hell at the league office and get Greg Sankey to put his foot down. And I thought if Greg Sankey tried to put his foot down, ESPN would say, do you like the checks we send you? Yeah. If so, I, I, this I conversation's to, over. I talked to Greg Sankey on the sideline before the Auburn game on, on Saturday morning and just kind of chit-chatting. I was like, you know, people would love for this to be a night game. He's like... Yeah, I know. I hear that all the time. He's like, three million people are going to watch this game. It's the highest rated window outside of CBS and the two thirty afternoon game. It's like, oh no, I, I I understand that. Um, Ray in Long Beach, I think this is uh, this is good in advance. If you have watched LSU games over the last couple of years, you have seen the play of their wide receiver, Kayshawn Booty. But for the last two years, it was Kayshawn Boutte, which was very Cajun, right? B-O-U-T-T-E, Boutte, made all the sense in the world. Nobody questioned it. Well, somewhere along the way, Kayshawn Boutte let the people in the LSU Media Relations office know that his name had been mispronounced. And it's actually Booty. And, and Ray was correcting me on the way that I pronounced it, and I said, yeah, this is where we are on that. And he responded with touche, or should I say touchy. Oh, 
<laughs> well played, right? That's, that's a pretty good response. Uh, here we go. So we answered the question about why not a night game in Baton Rouge. He says, okay, then why are most games during the day? Seems like night games would be more profitable. You would think. Except for the fact that there's a lot of data that points to the fact that the highest rated games are happening during daylight hours. People do stuff at night. Even on the weekends, people do stuff at night. Oh, that's especially when people do stuff. That's why when people say, oh, why is the college football playoff championship on a Monday? Well, because you don't have anything to do. Yeah, because everybody's at home. Most yeah. people are at home on Monday nights. So they've learned that Saturday night is when you have date night finally. Or there's a party to go to. Or you've got the whole family in the house, and it's just different. Saturdays, you're busy. Saturday nights, you're busy. And there's a lot of... There are a lot of options on Saturday night, right? I yeah. mean, you got a game on Fox, you got a game on ESPN, you got a game on, you know, CBS Sports Network, there's one on FS1, there's one on ESPN2. So you got a lot of different places. So you might say, well, why does CBS pick their highest profile game of the season and they put it at night? Well, because it's the highest profile game, and that is a game that people will rearrange their schedules for, like Alabama, Texas A&M this year, which did a massive number. But guess what? I don't have it in front. Bork, can you remember what the Alabama A&M number was? Oh, gosh, I don't. It was big, I'm wa- though. I'm wondering if Alabama-Tennessee this past weekend was actually bigger. Then Alabama A&M absolutely was, yeah. Highest rated game of the year. 11.5 million people watched. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky has been throwing some stats and some numbers at me during commercial breaks. We'll get into some of those. There's a little compare and contrast between quarterback play at Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But first, we'll tell you that you are listening to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Zalias, and they are available to you. To book a tee time, to plan your trip, to uh, see what's happening at Dancing Rabbit, go to DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at Ceasefire.com slash business. So... Borky, we got a question on the ceasefire text line, and I'm having trouble finding it. But the gist of the question was, oh, here it is, Jeff in Oxford. I don't remember an unranked team ever being favored over a number seven ranked team. Do you? Let's just say that number seven is kind of an arbitrary number and just use top ten for conversation purposes. By the way, Jeff, if you want to research this yourself, you're welcome to. I just 
kind of I googled you know unranked teams versus top ten teams and found a couple of things. One on one LSU message board, this topic came up. Maybe you saw it here. I don't know. Unranked LSU favored over number seven Ole Miss last year. Uh, wait, hold on a second. These two teams met in 20, what year was it, Borky? 20, 2009. Number 10 LSU was a six and a half point underdog to unranked Ole Miss in Oxford. LSU covered, but Ole Miss won the game 25 23. That was the one that had the crazy ending. There have been a few crazy endings, but you may remember that one. A lot of them. So, taking you a little deeper on this topic, last year there were five instances where an unranked team was favored over a top ten team. Three of the five won the game outright. Two and three against the spread. One... Of the two losers was actually Mississippi State, who lost at home as a two-point favorite to Ole Miss, who was ranked in the top ten in that point. Longer time frame, 2004 to 2020. The 13 unranked teams favored over top ten teams went three and ten against the spread, but were seven and six straight up. So between 2004 and 2020, or if you want to include last year, 2004 through 2021, you have had 18 instances where an unranked team was favored over a top 10 team. And the results are 10 and 8. 10 and 8. Straight up. Where the unranked team has actually won against the top 10 team. How about that? Fairly common. Jeff, did you know that? Well, I mean. Fairly. Yeah, like on average once a year. Last year is just a bit of an anomaly where you had it happen five times. So, there you go, Jeff. Good question. Really, really good question. Where do you want to go here, Borky? There's so many directions we can go. Let me drop this, this stat on you. Okay. And, of course, nuance is needed because of the style of play. But still, I I think this is fascinating. So Will Rogers has thrown 320 passes this year. Jackson Dart has thrown 163. Big discrepancy. 86 of Will Rogers' passes have been thrown behind the line of scrimmage. 86 of his passes have been thrown behind the line of scrimmage. That is 27% of Will Rogers' pass attempts. Jackson Dart has thrown 20. 20 passes behind the line of scrimmage. So so one out of every four passes, basically, that Will Rogers throws, behind is the line a, of scrimmage. it's a forward pass, but the receiver is behind the line yes. of scrimmage. So that's swing passes and screens. And check downs. Certain and check, check downs. downs. Anyway, uh, if you change that number to more than 10 yards downfield, so 10 yards and over, Jackson Dart has thrown 76 
passes over 10 yards. Mm -hmm. Will Rogers has thrown 75. But here's the kicker. What, what, what's the discrepancy in pass attempts again? 300, how many? 70 for Will Rogers? Uh, 163 for Dart, 320 for Rogers. So that means okay. that is 47% of Jackson Dart's passes travel further than 10 yards down the field. Okay. That is 23% of Will Rogers' passes. So that means Will Rogers throws by percentage more passes behind the line of scrimmage than he does more than 10 yards downfield. I mean, completely different offensive philosophies. Very much so. Completely different philosophies with what they do offensively. And part of the reason that so many of Ole Miss's passes, almost half of them, or, well, almost a third of them, are beyond 10 yards is because of the play-action piece. Play-action is just rare in what Mississippi State does offensively. Madden Tupelo, are we going to be able to run the ball on LSU's defense? I like our chances if we can get to 200-plus. Ole Miss has had, I'm doing this off the top of my head, they played seven games. I think they've only had one game where they went for less than 200 yards rushing. It was against Vanderbilt, right? Going into the game against Vanderbilt, Ole Miss was averaging 242 yards per game rushing. That number went up to like 270 or 280 a game. And and again, that's not an exact number. After the 448 they put on the ground, or put on the board on the ground against Auburn last week. I mean, they certainly can. See, and Brody mentioned it earlier that this is not—it's not your typical LSU team. They have NFL players; they absolutely do. But defensively, they are vulnerable. Did you see what Tennessee was able to do to them? Um, they miss tackles. They're not exactly physical. On the, it's. They're evenly matched teams. It's a losable game. I'm not saying that Ole Miss is just going to go in there and win and run for 450 yards again, but it's not like LSU's got a defense filled with 11 guys that are all going to be playing in the NFL in the next couple of years. It's not like that with this particular team. Um, Now, if Ole Miss can't run the football, they might have a long day. However, it's Tiger Stadium. It's all that. I get it. This isn't what you're used to. Yeah. So, here is your breakdown. Ole Miss has gone for over 200 yards in five of seven games this year. 266 against Troy, 233 against Central Arkansas, 316 Georgia Tech, 308 Tulsa, 186 against Kentucky, 143 against Vanderbilt, 448 against Auburn. So Ole Miss has five games with more than 200 yards rushing. They have only four games with more than 200 yards passing. It's kind of crazy. Fewest rushing attempts came against Vanderbilt. 28 rushing attempts in that game. The next fewest was 39 against uh, sorry 37 against UCA, 39 against Kentucky. Most pass attempts this season: 33 against Vanderbilt, 
32 with two quarterbacks against Central Arkansas. So only twice this year does Ole Miss have more than 30 pass attempts in a game. And yet people still talk about... It's crazy how people think that when you see Lane Kiffin, you think passing offense. His best position as a coach, as an offensive coordinator or head coach, throughout his entire career has been running back. He's had elite running backs, with the exception of Florida Atlantic. It's hard to get elite running backs there, but you get my point. Everywhere he's been. Dating back to USC, to his time at Alabama, and now at Ole Miss. It's been running backs. Yeah. Do you know what today is? Today is the sports equinox. Major League Baseball... NBA, MLB, and the NHL all with games today. Plus, oh, by the way, you got a bunch of MLS and you got college football tonight. Happening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks as always for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line right now. We will go to the Farm Bureau guest line and uh, visit with our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Lee, always good to catch up with you. What's up? How much? How much did you enjoy that uh, Tennessee Alabama game? It's pretty spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah. So my wife usually, she'll watch like all the Miami games and she'll watch, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes here, sit and talk to me and watch some games. That's probably the first college game from start to finish other than like a semifinal or a championship game she's watched. And when they scored Tennessee that field goal to win the game, I think she jumped out of her chair like four feet up in the air. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty incredible, uh, yep. and yeah, not a lot of defense. And and no. Tennessee was fortunate to win the game when it's all said and done. But Alabama here's what's interesting, the, and you can go back and look a lot as well. Here's what's interesting: go back and look. Usually, the team almost all the time that wins the national title is in the top five in defense. So, just something to remember: offense is fun, can win some games during the season. But you better button down that defense if you want to play for a title. All right, we got a couple of weeks yep. left in uh, in the month of October. This thing's getting fun. Let's start in Baton Rouge, where uh, okay. we were talking just a little while ago about the fact that it's uh, it's rare. Only eighteen times since the year two thousand four has an unranked team been favored over a top ten team. But that is what we have in Baton Rouge this weekend. LSU favored over Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and I think LSU is gaining confidence here. Jaden Daniels uh, bounced back last week after pretty uneven performance against Tennessee through for 349 yards, passed for three TDs, and ran for three. 
I think the Ole Miss defense is starting to show some cracks the last couple of weeks against Vanderbilt and Auburn. Even in the Kentucky game, Kentucky um, kind of short-circuited in the red zone, missed a couple field goals, an extra point here. And um, I think that, that LSU's offense with top-level receivers is going to give Ole Miss defense some problems. And even Lane Kiffin last week, he used an onside kick with the lead in the third quarter I thought to steal a possession to keep his D off the field here. So I'm impressed with Brian Kelly. I mean, first game of the year, they look terrible. I mean, they got fighting going on, players upset um, when they lost to FSU, and then they lose to Tennessee a couple weeks ago. But he was able to give them the rebound, and they were the better team, much better team against Florida. I like LSU here. I think it's going to be a great game, though, 35-28. All right, so LSU to win straight up 35-28 and yep. to uh, cover the number. By the way, we what we figured out was uh, 10 of those 18 times, the uh, the unranked team favored against right. the top 10 team has won straight up. Yep. So, and I think if you go back 25 years, it's it's almost a 60% play. All right, well, we'll, uh, yep. we'll see how that one plays out on yep. Saturday in Baton Rouge. I, I hope you're wrong, but uh, that's just I me. hope I'm wrong, too. <laughs> Alabama is a uh, 21-point favorite at home against Mississippi State. Obviously, the Crimson Tide coming off a loss. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, Mississippi State coming off a little bit of a surprising loss in Lexington last weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, a passing team that pushes the ball down the field, we know now, can give Alabama some problems. Mississippi State just, I don't think they have that dimension. I think you're going to see them, a bunch of passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. I think you're going to see a great effort from Alabama. This is not one of the better Alabama teams. I, I was able to identify that uh, maybe even a month ago, but um, I still think they're pretty decent. When Bryce Young's playing well and he had 455 yards passing, he's going to be a tough out here. I think Alabama for a week. I'd like him to blow him out this week, and then we might be able to fade Alabama down the stretch, but I like Alabama here pretty big, 45-17. All right, so 45-17 in this one, but you're not convinced that down the stretch Alabama runs the table? No, no, not not at all. Outside so of Bryce Young, you know, there are not many guys that scare you on that offense. After Mississippi State, remaining schedule for Alabama, after an open date, they go to yep. LSU, go to Ole Miss, host Austin P, and host Auburn. Right. Well, maybe Ole Miss does the job in SEC championship game. Well, hold on a second now. How are you picking Ole Miss to lose in Baton Rouge to LSU but to beat Alabama at home? Let's see what happens. Okay. We'll uh, we'll let it play out. Hey, I didn't say I was picking them. I didn't say I was picking them. I think you never – we'll see it. what happens. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh a game that is flying below the radar, but I think is a really right. important game for these two teams. South Carolina, Texas A&M. Aggies are favored. They're not favored by a lot. And this South Carolina team, 4-2, and two, coming off an open date. Last time we saw them, they were beating Kentucky. Hey, Shane Beamer's got a little something going in Columbia. They are improved. But here's the problem. They're going to have to throw the football, I believe. And the Aggies, you know, they're just I think they're stronger, offensive and defensive lines. Uh, we are seeing um, Lloyd, the running back for the Gamecocks, emerge. Mm-hmm. But they got to stay out at a long down and distance situation. So Spencer Rattler still has not proven himself. Five touchdowns against eight interceptions here. Uh, South Carolina beat Kentucky, but remember 
uh, that was without Will Levis. So I, I think A&M is the right side here. Uh, maybe this could be the, the game we see Wegman play quarterback for A&M. If we do, I think he might be their guy. I like Texas A&M, 31-20. 31-20, Texas A&M, that is enough to cover. So uh, let's step outside the SEC just for yeah. a second. Kind of a light game, uh, a light weekend uh, in terms of SEC games. Go over to the ACC. You got Clemson rolling along, kind of quietly undefeated. You got undefeated Syracuse coming to town. And everybody has dismissed Syracuse in this game. It's like, well, have you seen their schedule down the stretch? It's awful. It's brutal. Any any love for the Orange this weekend, getting 13-and-a-half in the other I actually family? do. So I think Garrett Schrader's much improved. Twelve touchdowns, just three interceptions. He was known as a, a running quarterback, much more accurate now. Um, maybe it's the coaching staff, hard work, maybe a combination. Sean Tucker, their running back, almost 650 rushing yards. And you'll remember this name from the Dolphins back in the past, Aronde Gatson, his son, Aronde Gatson the second. Big-time target in the red zone, 6'5", 215. He has 31 catches and five touchdowns. So uh, they're pretty efficient on offense, and surprisingly, I know they haven't played much, but they're number eight on defense, in total defense. They only lost to Clemson last year by three points, so I don't think they're going to be you know, intimidated. Uh, Clemson had a tough game. I think Clemson's much improved. Their offensive line was a sieve last year. Uh, much improved there in their quarterback play. But they played Florida State, and Florida State uh, played them tough down the stretch. Syracuse kind of had an easy win against NC State here. And actually, Syracuse plays better on the road, 18-10 and 10 against the spread, the last 28 on the road. I think Clemson wins 30-23, to 23, but Syracuse covers. All right. Lee, uh, remind people how they can get more information from you if they are so inclined. Yep, yeah, they want to get tonight's game, Arizona and the New Orleans Saints. Call 800-400. 9741. We'll give them that game for free. Also, give them the Missouri uh, Vanderbilt game. Got a strong opinion on both games. 800 400 9741 for our service. We rate the games from 10 to 50 units. We hit our two biggest plays of the year last weekend Air Force, 45 unit play, and also the Buffalo Bills. Um, we've now won 50. We're 53 and 18 on these 40 to 50 unit plays. Great way to hop on board, and we got every sport for the next couple weeks going on. A great time. We've got basketball, hockey, playoff baseball, UFC. Um, how about this? Uh, Baker's Dozen, 13 games, just $97 combined Saturday and Sunday. It's an instant download, so you don't have to call back on Saturday and Sunday. You're ready to go. We've had some 12 and 1, 11 and 2, and 10 and 3 records over the last five years on these plays. So, ParamountSports.com, Baker's Dozen, or check out all the offerings, or call us here at the office, 800-400-9741. Did you really say you had a strong opinion on Vanderbilt, Missouri? I didn't know anybody had a strong opinion on that game. (laughs) Um, Yeah, when you watch every game, you know, there's some I don't, but uh, I do actually on that game. So. uh, So you, you, you can get that one for free if you call Lee yep. in the office, ParamountSports.com. If you need the number again, you can find it there. Thanks, Lee. And where are you off to, Richard? Where are you off to this weekend? I'm actually going to Baton Rouge this weekend. This will be my last weekend for a while with uh, with Ole Miss, and uh, okay. it's all TV stuff after this. So, uh, Okay. Look, looking forward to it. It should be and a fun Saturday. And family, too, right? My, my little guy's going with me. 
Okay, sounds good. Have fun. All right. All right. I've got a co-pilot this weekend. Uh, thanks, man. Right. You as well. That's Lee Take Sterling care. from uh, Paramount Sports, ParamountSports.com. So he had LSU winning straight up over Ole Miss as a favorite, 35-28, I believe he said. He had Alabama 41-17 over Mississippi State. He had um, Texas A&M 31-20. Over South Carolina, thirty-one points from that Texas A&M offense—that'd be something. Like, I like seeing a unicorn if that happens. Pearl River Resort Studios—that's where we are. We'll be back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Got my Genteel golf shirt on today. I uh, just went by a couple of days ago and I've got so much of the fall merchandise. The long sleeve button up sports shirts look fantastic. Tons of patterns, got flannels and cotton and really, really good stuff. You can always shop with Genteel online at genteelapparel.com. You can also visit some of the many uh, of the retailers across the uh, the state of Mississippi who carry Genteel, like Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs. Somebody's got to help me out if I mispronounce that. I think it's Chandelure. Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland. Reed's in Starkville. Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg. Abrahams in Indianola, the Willander in Brandon, and Mile 363 in Natchez. Just some of the fine men's stores across the state of Mississippi that carry Genteel. Don't forget, you can get the Collegiate Collection, Ole Miss gear, Mississippi State gear, Southern Miss gear, all from Genteel Apparel. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad is out today. He is traveling, and we'll be back again tomorrow, and so we uh, we look forward to that. Don't forget to get your picks in in the Polk's Pick 6 Challenge supertalk.fm slash Polks. Borky, I would like to talk about baseball. Yeah, because you mentioned it's the sports equinox. I, I My NBA season started last night. Real quick, PSA. With a dub? 15 seconds. That's all I ask. Mm. There are basketball fans in this state. I know you exist. There are a lot of you. If you like um, the sport but don't have a team and you're in North Mississippi... John Morant is one of the more fun athletes you can watch play a sport. He is unbelievable. His his hops are insane. He's electric. And then if you're Jackson South, you've got a 7-8 deep team in New Orleans that is going to win a bunch of games and is going to be a contender in the West. So if you haven't picked one, you got two incredible options, two contending quality teams. One, two exits from our border. One, 45 minutes from our border. You went over 15 seconds. Nah, a little bit. <laughs> but I've done. 
But I'm done. All right. I just if you're a basketball fan, I there's good ports. basketball being played very close to where we sit. And by the way, the Lakers suck. Which is a bonus. Yeah. Sorry, hey Dad. Um I've watched parts of two games in the last two nights. But here's what I want to do with baseball for a second. Padres went eight to five over the Phillies yesterday to split that series at one. The Astros went four to two, a couple of seventh inning home runs. Justin Verlander was great. And the uh, Astros take a one nothing series lead. They are playing again tonight in Houston. If you think this is like, a, oh, we're about to break down the playoffs, no, it's not. Said this to you earlier today, Borky. You know I'm a baseball fan. Love the game. Love it. I do not love Major League Baseball right now. I don't. And I'm not going to be the guy that says the game is broken. But I do not like the product that is Major League Baseball. We've talked for a long time about the fact that baseball has a problem. It's uh, like viewership trends older and older. Baseball is very local. I will say this again. I love the game of baseball. I don't love the way the game of baseball is being played at the Major League level right now. You may think, if you're a baseball fan, what I'm about to say is heresy. College baseball is infinitely more watchable and more exciting than Major League Baseball. High-level college baseball. I'm not talking about when you get a midweek game and it's a you know a, an SEC team against a middling team and it's a 17-2 game. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about SEC baseball. I'm talking about Southern Miss against Louisiana or... La Tech or something like that. I'm talking about high-level baseball at the college level. It's way more enjoyable to me to watch than Major League Baseball. And there are a couple of reasons why. The approach at the plate, we know what it is, right? It's home runner strikeout with a bunch of walks mixed in. There, there's no like offensive production. There's no creativity. There's not a lot of action on the bases. I don't know if it was before or after the Yankees hit their solo home run in the eighth inning, I guess it was, from Rizzo. I think it was before. 18 of the 22 runs, and if it was before, it's now 19 of 23 runs scored by Yan- the Yankees in the postseason have come from the home run. I love a home run as much as the next guy, but I want more than just home runs and strikeouts. Justin Verlander was remarkable last night. 11 strikeouts, retired the last 11 that he faced, got into a little bit of trouble in the third inning, cruise control after that. He's kind of like Tom Brady in Major League Baseball. Like, he's just defying age. It's not an appealing product to a wide range of people. It's long. It's slow. Justin Verlander is absolutely an exception in terms of a starting pitcher staying in the game through six innings. It's very specialized, so you're getting four or five, maybe five innings out of a starting pitcher, and then you're handing it off to everybody that's specialized. The pitching is ridiculously good. I almost want the pitching to be a little less good so we can see more balls in play. Like how many 97 to 101 mile an hour fastballs and 94 mile an hour sliders can we see? I mean, it's not it's not crazy at all that guys can't hit. Because the pitchers are ridiculous. 
This again, Borky. This is not like old man yelling at a cloud. Baseball's got a problem and it's got to find a way to fix it, or it's going to die. It's healthy at the local level, and people watch the World Series. It's just not an enjoyable product to watch, and it has nothing to do with the Yankees or my team, and they lost last night. Nothing whatsoever to do with that. Yeah, and, and I'm, I think I'm a really good case study in in where baseball's coming up short because you you hit the nail on the head. It, I mean, what is more, home runs are exciting, right? We all like the long ball. A guy hitting a ball 480 feet is pretty awesome. But what what's a more exciting inning that takes 20 minutes? A home run, five strikeouts, little ground ball out to the first baseman, or a leadoff single, double in the gap, play at the plate, another base hit, maybe guy gets thrown at it second, swift little double play, and the same thing happens in the next inning. There's not enough stuff happening in baseball now because of the philosophy change and how good the pitchers are. I don't know what their answer is to change it, mm-hmm. but there are so many other options now that grab people like me. I didn't grow up in a city with a baseball team. I like it. I don't love it. I have no emotional connection. But there are other things this time of year that are grabbing me, especially when you're playing these playoff games during work days and on football weekends, you're not getting people like me. And maybe they feel like they just don't need people like me, and that's fine. But when you look at the growth that NFL, college football, and don't roll your eyes, everybody out there, soccer is experiencing in this country, there's a reason. It's fast. Because even in soccer, which bores most of you to tears, the games are two and a half hours, and there's one break. And that yeah. break is short. It's 15 and, and, minutes. And even so, there's con- there's not a ton of scoring, but there's constant movement. There's, there's, like, there's constant motion. I, look, these are the most gifted baseball players on the planet that are playing in Major League Baseball. And I'm not taking anything away from them. I just hate the style of the game right now. Because these guys are gifted enough as hitters to do things like take an outside pitch and drive it the opposite way. But when your goal is to find one pitch that you can hit over the wall... And that's the goal for a lot of the hitters in big league baseball. And you just swing hard and hope for the best. Go strike out a lot. Um, let's see here. I can't watch MLB, but let Ole Miss State or USM play, and I love it. Chris and Meridian Richard totally agree. I love the strategy of college baseball more than home run strikeout product of major league. Dale in the Delta says, I'm 35 years old, and you can give me less homers and more doubles, bunt, steals all day, every day. Uh, baseball is the perfect game. I love it. Okay, but that, that's, that's a fine opinion as well. Absolutely, it, to each their own. My, the the question, I guess, is how, how do they fix it? Because, like, take the NFL for example. We hate the roughing the passer penalties. They are atrocious. But there's a reason that the league has done it to keep quarterbacks healthy. Why? Because we want to see quarterbacks play. At the end of the day, the draw to the NFL is quarterbacks are playing. You get to see Tom Brady. You get to see Patrick Mahomes, all that. They cater rules for the things that people like. Same thing in basketball. And again, roll your eyes. I know a lot of you hate the NBA. But when they make rule changes, it's specifically to inspire the things about the sport that people like to happen more often. What can baseball do? Because the the team's goal is not to entertain. It's to win. That's the only thing they care about. Mm-hmm. And they've determined that the best way to win is to swing for the fences. 
and that gets really boring. So what as a, what can they do to improve everything that you mentioned? Twelve. Well, that's probably a big conversation for another day. Probably going to, but... going to pitch clocks and changing some things up, and that may or may not be the right solution. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at Super Talk Mississippi. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line, that's the best way for you to be a part of the conversation. There are a couple of people that had suggestions on how to make Major League Baseball a little more watchable. Move the outfield walls farther out or raise them or both would keep more balls in play. Fewer easy home runs might influence the hitting strategy. Maybe. There's another one. Back the fence up 100 feet. Problem solved. It's pace, too. And college football is is flying dangerously close to having that be a problem that's a deterrent as well. I mean, you were at the old Miss Auburn game. Take away the lightning delay. Take it away. Remove the lightning delay out of that game. Took entirely too long. Way too long. Too many pauses. In the first 30 either the first 33 or the first 37 seconds doesn't matter. Took 12 minutes yeah. to play. And there was a there was a, an injury timeout that led to a three minute three and a half minute commercial break, and there was a review that lasted about three minutes. That, that that's ridiculous. Uh, and I'm not hating on them because until they fix the rule, it doesn't matter. Auburn was very clearly employing the when they go hurry up, let's hit the deck strategy, and and that caused a lot of pauses. And you know, Ole Miss has done the same thing until they fix it. That's how you slow down, hurry up offenses sometimes. But the efficiency in which things happen in college football is not good enough. And it's going to start turning people off eventually. When games with no storm delays are taking four hours, four hours and 15 minutes, sometimes four and a half hours, you're going to start losing people. That's a long time to keep somebody's attention, especially when they don't have an emotional or financial investment. You, the fan, are probably thinking, well, I watched every snap of the Ole Miss-Auburn game. Of course you did. You're an Ole Miss fan, or vice versa. Maybe you had some money on it. But the casual football fan is not watching four-and-a-half-hour games. It's not happening. So they've got to be proactive and fix it, or else they're going to start losing people too. It's not just a baseball issue. Tennessee-Alabama was three hours and 55 minutes. They scored a lot of points. I mean, it was Mm 52-49. Because of that, it didn't feel that long, but that's too long. That's too long. Just curious here. Mississippi State, Kentucky was that was faster. Three hours, nineteen minutes. Of course, that is a different style that Kentucky plays. Nobody scored, but that, but that's also three hours and nineteen minutes for that game is longer than the average NFL game, and it's longer than it should have been. My gosh, the amount of penalties in that game. And, and it's not just that they threw flags to stop the game and stop the clock. It's when there's a false start. Do you really have to meet? 
Do you, do you have to get together and then slowly separate and then make the announcement? In, in the NFL, if a flag's thrown and there's a false start, they don't run together and meet. Ref immediately turns on his microphone, false start, 55, five-yard penalty, still first down. Boom, right back to play. It's so much faster. A penalty delays a college football game for a minute and a half. It's unacceptable. When you've got 20 penalties in a game, that adds up quickly. If it's a false start, tell the head ref what the number is, point to the guy, let him call it, move on. And look, there are a lot of people that just want to blame CBS. Two weeks ago, when CBS had a doubleheader, their Alabama, uh, the Georgia-Auburn game lasted three minutes, three hours and 19 minutes. The Texas A&M-Alabama game lasted 327. Okay, so it's, it's not just a CBS thing. College football games are kind of in the neighborhood of three and a half hours, and then you get some outliers, like three hours and 55 minutes for Alabama-Tennessee. Ole Miss-Auburn, let's see, what was the official time on that? Did you say that? Or you were just guessing? Uh, I was. It was well over four hours. I mean, they, they played yeah. into the CBS game. Four hours and 19 minutes with about a 40-minute delay. So you're still talking three hours and 40 minutes. Too long. That's just too long. That's a long football game. You're not going to captivate the average person in three hours and 40 minutes. It's not going to happen. Game's got to be perfect. Alabama-Tennessee was quote-unquote perfect. Ole Miss-Auburn was not. Just curious. We're just going to take one of these random 11 a.m. Big Ten on Fox. So Penn State, Michigan. I wonder how long that one was. Michigan runs it a lot. Three hours and 24 minutes. It's a three and a half hour product for college football. I agree with you that, like, in the midst of the game, I'm like, man, this thing's taking forever. There's part of it that's like, you know, we only get like uh, 15 weekends of this a year. I just take your time. I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. I got nothing to do. Let's just let's just enjoy it. We don't have to make it go faster. We're okay with it. No big deal. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at it's supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. It's going to be ugly tonight, but watch how much more efficient the Saints Cardinals game is versus your average college game. Well, you'll have two going on at the same time. You'll have Saints-Cardinals in the NFL on Prime, and you'll have South Alabama and Troy happening on ESPN something. We'll be right back. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Five o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday weekend just around the corner. But, hey, it's college football weekend, so I'll go ahead and say welcome to the weekend. We're in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com or in person 
at the Golden Moon. Check out the sports book. You can be part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Let's go right now to uh, a conversation with David Cobb from CBS Sports. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. David, have you come down off the high of last weekend in college football? I mean, how good was that? Yeah, it was amazing. It's been such a fun season. It really feels like everything is like all the way back to normal after COVID now and the results, the finishes, the drama. It's been awesome. You know, college football gets knocked for being a little top-heavy, being predictable. And even if we end up with a predictable blend of teams in the playoffs, at least the journey to get there this year has been has been amazing. So that Tennessee-Alabama game might have taken the cake in terms of best game of the year. And uh, to be the one live blogging that one for, for CBS, my, my heart rate was, was certainly through the roof. Uh, not even uh, due to the fact that Tennessee was my alma mater. It's just, it was just that good of a game. Can you imagine going through like uh, through life like that schmuck Barrett Selly who thinks that four teams is the right way to determine a champion instead of going to a twelve team playoff? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I I genuinely get in some some pretty good debates with uh, with different people who disagree with me on this. I, I enjoy. I enjoy By the way, the I debate. like Barrett a lot. We, we've been friends for a long time. I'd call I him a schmuck yeah. to his face. <laughs> and, and and he deserves that. So I'm glad you yes. do that. I'm glad you, you re- remind him of that. So uh, we have good-natured debates uh, within the CBS team about it all the time. Uh, it's 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 time, though. It's time to go to 12 teams. Uh, there, there's some depth in the sport, especially in a season like this, beyond the top three or four. Look at Texas. Everybody, I'm not sure if I'm on board with it yet, but everybody is saying, well, what if Quinn Ewers had been healthy for the second half of their game against Alabama? What if he had been healthy the following week against Texas Tech when they lost? Or I guess it was a couple weeks later. But the point is, you know, we would get to see a team like Texas get to prove itself in the playoffs if there were a 12-team format. And as things stand now, it's highly unlikely that they would even have a shot even if they won out. So I'm ready for it, and I'm glad they're, they're meeting, talking it over today. It doesn't sound like they've come, you know, too terribly far in terms of actually making things concrete, but I'm glad we're moving in that direction. If Lane Kiffin is worried about – rat poison, then this week in the media has been like the anti-venom that he longs for because everybody is picking LSU to win this game. It's a little crazy, honestly, Uh, or at least I think it is. Now, all, all the people picking LSU may be proven right on Saturday. When you look at this matchup between Ole Miss and LSU, what, what do you see, David? Yeah, I don't get it. So when the lines first came out on Sunday for this game, I saw, wow, Ole Miss is only favored by two. And I was, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm all over that. Like, that line's going to move. Ole Miss will be, will close as a six and a half point favorite, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I thought was going to happen. It's been the exact opposite. And I don't really understand why, because really, LSU's been so up and down. Ole Miss has been one of the most consistent teams in the country this season. And the only thing that I can really think of is that they're just over-inflating the, uh, the home-field advantage that, that LSU is going to have in this game. Uh, so, you know, this is a team that in its last home game, though, just lost, you know, by 27 to Tennessee in, in, in Tiger Stadium. So I, I think we're maybe overvaluing the home-field advantage aspect of it here. Uh, Ole Miss being slept on probably due to the fact that its schedule has been pretty easy to this point. But, you know, they, they've proven who, you, who they are game in, game out, week in, week out, and, 
their strength of running the football isn't necessarily uh, something that LSU is is well poised to stop. So uh, I'm with you guys. I think it's odd. Uh, I, I like Ole Miss in this game you know, straight up. What is the most important matchup in the matchup between in the game between LSU and Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be LSU's front seven against this Ole Miss running game because I mean, Ole Miss has just gone so far the direction of the run that uh, it's it's just a huge part of their identity here. But if if LSU can stop them from getting four or five yards a pop, then all of a sudden, you know, we might have to see Jackson Dart go and win a game for him, which I don't think is really a situation they've been in this season. So uh, that would be you know the thing that sticks out to me the most, but. You know, I go back to LSU's game against Auburn a few weeks back, and maybe people are ragging Ole Miss for, for struggling a little bit against Auburn last week, but LSU uh, nearly got doubled up in total yardage by Auburn and was fortunate to beat Auburn due to uh, some turnovers on, on uh, Auburn's part. So uh, if that's a comparison that we're going to make, I mean, I don't necessarily look at that and see an LSU team that's, that's real well-equipped to slow down what Ole Miss does. So I, th- I think we're, we're – inflating well, what LSU is based off the game it had at Florida last week. And you know, the reality is that that Florida team is, is struggling and trying to figure things out. So uh, I just wouldn't read as much into it as maybe some people are. All right, so Mississippi State and Alabama. Alabama a prohibitive favorite in this game. Historically, like in, at least in recent history, Mississippi State has had a lot of trouble, especially in Tuscaloosa, scoring at all against Alabama. Why can Saturday be different, or can it? Well, I think the thing that I – that pops out to me, like when you sort of look at Mississippi State's statistical profile, they are second in the country in terms of red zone touchdown percentage. And they've done that against a reasonably difficult schedule to this point. So if they can hold Alabama to field goals and score touchdowns in the red zone, then, yeah, that could be their ticket to this this being different. I mean, this is a huge spread. Everyone expects Alabama to come out angry. Uh, They've taken out some vengeance on Mississippi State in the past. You know, clearly Mike Leach has had little success against Saban to this point, but you know maybe that that red zone offense is, is going to be a key here because we saw it a couple times last week where Alabama had to settle for field goals, took a more conservative approach in a game where points were at a premium, and it came back to bite them. You know, and and if they're not, uh, if Mississippi State can win the red zone battle, I mean that would be their really their only ticket in my mind to to keeping this one super close because I, I do expect Alabama to come out pretty angry. Yeah, I think so, though I do see Alabama having flaws. The thing that stands out to me is it appears as if, in terms of Alabama's defense, where they're gettable is pushing the ball down the field, and that's just not much of what Mississippi State has done this year. Yeah, it's nickel and dime you, you know, with the air raid stuff, and, and that's, that, that's an issue. Uh, I mean, honestly, Alabama has so many issues, though, to, to clean up, and until they get the penalty stuff sorted out. Like, they're going to keep giving teams free first downs and keep putting themselves behind the chains until they can get their, their penalty numbers down to a manageable level. I mean, last week against Tennessee was just the latest example. The penalty stuff, the undisciplined, the undisciplined play has been an issue for Alabama all season, and that was just the first time that it actually cost them a game. So, I mean, heck, if Texas A&M can be on the road in Tuscaloosa – and have Alabama against the wall on the last play of the game. I know that was with without Bryce Young on the field for the Crimson Tide, but <laughs> never count Mississippi State out because I just wouldn't have thought that Texas A&M could get them to that point. Mississippi State's a better team. 
I'd love to hit on three national games. We got about three minutes left, and we'll see if we can squeeze those in. This UCLA Oregon matchup that is in Eugene does the perfect season come to an end this weekend for UCLA? Oregon has been playing well. They have. I think nationally, Oregon has been slept on since it lost in convincing fashion to Georgia to open the season. They looked terrible in that game, but you got to remember that was Dan Lanning's first game as a head coach ever. Uh, and, and Oregon was playing against the defending national champions. Since then, Oregon has, has been really good, and I think Chip Kelly should be in, in the driver's seat for best first-year coaching performance in the country. So I do think I do think Oregon gets right at home against the UCLA team that has, like Ole Miss, had a pretty weak schedule to this point. 2.30 on Saturday afternoon on ABC, you've got Texas and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming off uh, a great game against TCU. Oklahoma State lost the game. The game itself was great, overshadowed by uh, what was happening in uh, in Knoxville. Uh, Oklahoma State bounced back. How big of a test is this for Texas on the road? Huge. Another, team, another situation where it looks like the wrong team is favored, much like I don't think Ole Miss should be an underdog this week. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure Texas should be a, a favorite, let alone a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which is what yeah. they are right now. Uh, just totally baffled by that. You know, the Quinn Ewer situation, it's, it just seems everyone's so ready to anoint him. He's a good player, but they almost lost at home to Iowa State last week. So now they're going on the road against an Oklahoma State team that really should be 6-0 and right now. I, I don't see it. So that one's another confounding line, in my opinion. In fairness, Texas in recent years would have lost that game to Iowa State, and yet they didn't. They found a way to win. That's true. That is absolutely true. What about uh, what about TCU? So they get the emotional win, packed house, great environment last week. we got 30 seconds. Do they keep it rolling this week at home? Hey, I think so. I've just kind of been riding with them all year long. I mean, I think they're one of the top teams against the spread, and obviously they're 6-0 straight up. So uh, TCU has been... A surprise. I mean, there. You know, Sonny Dykes is the other coach in the running there with um, with uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon for best first year coaching performance. If yeah. he gets it done against Kansas State, he he he's in in first place in that in that category, no doubt. David, thanks as always for your time. Great stuff today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, David Cobb from CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation there with David Cobbs from CBS Sports joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau. Glad to be with you. As always, you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. The Twilight Concert Series is back. And on Saturday, Blues Traveler and Government Mule will be at the Renaissance at Colony Park in Ridgeland. You can get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com or by going to TwilightMS.com. That'd be fun Saturday night. Blues Traveler, Government Mule. Yeah, there's you know a popular college football game going on, but if you are not wanting to watch that, that's a pretty solid duo coming to our backyard there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's like really right there in your backyard. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'll I'll pass it on the way home. 
So, yeah, yeah it's right there. No, those are can two you, good acts for sure. Can you sit out in the backyard and hear any of the music? Not like that laughing? close. Not, uh, not close enough for that? No, okay. I, I, I used to, uh, my backyard used to back up to MRA. And I would sit on the back porch on Friday nights and listen to football and then during baseball season sit out there and listen to baseball. Some kid, I, I still need to figure out who it was. I mean, I, I've since moved, so it's probably too late. This was a few years ago. Hit a tank bomb into my backyard. And I was meaning to get the ball back to the guy, but my dog got it first and covered it and you know, slobber and kind of ruined the ball. So giving it back <laughs> to him, I would feel kind of dumb. Hey, here's that home run ball. That's been destroyed, but that's like a 400 footer. This kid smoked into my backyard. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's do it. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough, but don't stop there. You can test drive an F-150, F-Series, best-selling trucks in America for 45 straight years. It's a long time. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, Borky, you think that there's a question that we need to ask. So Ole Miss and Mississippi State are on the road uh, this weekend, and especially for Ole Miss's game because of where it is. Now, it, let, let, let's not kid ourselves. Going on the road and playing at Alabama is tough, but I think, based on my experience, it's tougher because of who's on the field as opposed to who's around the field. Mm-hmm. There's an allure to Tiger Stadium where good teams have gone and stepped over their own two feet, the, the, the place has rattled people. It's It's got a legendary status. May or may not be that this weekend. They haven't sold the game out yet. Not a sellout. It's Thursday. And it's close, but they haven't sold it out yet. But it's still, big. It's 102000 So, regardless, as we mentioned yesterday, it is by far the biggest crowd that Jackson Dart road crowd that he's played in. How much does that actually factor into the results of the game, in your opinion? How much does Tiger Stadium matter in this game? How much does Bryant-Denny Stadium matter in this game? Location, how much is it actually worth? Yeah, I've seen it go both ways, right? I was I was in Tiger Stadium in 2008 or nine. I think it was 2008. Yeah, it was the last time Ole Miss won in Tiger Stadium. Brandon Bolden went off. Jevin Sneed had a big day throwing the ball. Ole Miss completely took the LSU crowd out of the game that day. I was also there in 2014 when the crowd played a huge role. And, you know, it wasn't so much Borky, the students and the volume and the fact that it was a night game. It was the the people up close who were able to get to Bo Wallace but you had Bo Wallace on the sideline kind of interacting with LSU fans in a negative way. you got to tune that out. And I do think there's an element for mature football teams to take the energy of a good road environment and, and kind of make that their energy. But at the same time, what have we heard Lane Kiffin talking about in recent weeks? About the difference that the home crowd made for Ole Miss in that game against Kentucky about the difference that the home crowd made in the game against Auburn. 
They call it home field advantage for a reason, and certainly LSU has one of those. Now, I do think you catch a little bit of a break with the game being played almost entirely in the daylight as opposed to it being a night game. There's a little bit different vibe, a little bit different energy in Baton Rouge. No, who are we? Who are we kidding? There's a lot different vibe and a lot different energy for a game under the lights at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge. Tennessee capitalized on a home field advantage last week. That place was nuts. Now, I didn't think watching that game that the stage was too big for Alabama. I didn't think Alabama was intimidated by the 101, 102, 103,000 that were in Knoxville last week. But Tennessee may have gotten a little bump from it, and they certainly made it difficult. Right, I mean, it make, makes it difficult to, to hear. So at a, at a micro level, what does it really mean? So macro, we can talk about intimidating place, big crowd, loud. But at the micro level, in a critical third and two, do the LSU fans get so loud that the Ole Miss offensive lineman can't hear and cause somebody to jump early and make it third and seven? And then do they take it up another level to turn third and seven into third and twelve. You've seen that. Back-to-back false start penalties when a crowd just takes it up and takes it up and takes it up. So to me, on that, that's the micro-level concern. Can the crowd affect a specific play in a critical situation to the point where the visiting team can't hear and take it from third and short to third and long? I love it, though. Absolutely. All right, so, so so let's play both sides of it, right? You, you've seen visiting crowds, and, and I've used 2014 LSU, 2015 Florida as an example, where just both of those games were at night, just deafening environment was too big for Ole Miss in those two games. What about 20... What was the year that Ole Miss went to A&M? Biggest crowd in the history of the state of Texas, 112,000. It was in between the renovation. Right. I think it was 20, it was 2014. It was. It was the week, yeah, it was the week after Ole Miss beat Alabama. Yeah, because the, the fear was, oh, they're going in for a letdown. And, and they Ole Miss just them. absolutely dominated Texas A&M. That, that might, was a mature football team. That might have been, that was a mature football team that day, but the LSU game later that year, yeah, but but right. either way, point point is that was probably maybe maybe not. I felt like that was one of Hugh Freeze's best individual coaching jobs. Yeah. Maybe in his career was that game, not not just beating Alabama, but turning around and playing your best football a week after that. You tear down the goalpost, all that crap, and then you turn around and play great on the road. That was quality. We get a message here that says, if Tennessee can basically turn that LSU game into a home game, Ole Miss should be able to as well, especially as close as you guys are. I think the difference there is it's an every-other-year thing for Ole Miss, and it was a once-in-a-decade thing for Tennessee. It had been 12 years since Tennessee had been to LSU, and so there were a lot of people that had that one circled. I, I have I don't know that I've heard anybody say... Um, how many Tennessee fans were at that game? But would it be crazy to say fifteen to twenty thousand? Oh no, my gosh! I mean, it was it was insane. 
I mean, it, much different size stadium. And they didn't take over the stadium the no. way Georgia did at Vanderbilt a few years ago where there were like 30,000 Georgia fans. They didn't take over the stadium the way Georgia did when they went to Notre Dame. But there was a massive number of Tennessee fans at that ballgame. Uh, somebody said Tiger Stadium was worth about two touchdowns when State played there. Was it? 11 a.m. kickoff with 20,000 empty seats? Oh, no, that was a night game, which makes those empty seats even more bizarre. I can't oh, that's right. Yeah. It, it kicked off at 5, didn't it? Yeah, it was. A, that was a, a night. Well, I say night. The sun was still up at 5 o'clock back then. We're hitting that sad time where the sun goes down around 5. But, yeah, that was a night game, which, which made that odd. You do think, anyway, that for Ole Miss's perspective going into this game, with how fast they go, number one, and running the football, number two, that does help alleviate crowd noise some. Now, when you're doing the hurry-up, you've got to verbally communicate a lot, but if plays are getting... You don't give a crowd a chance to build up with noise when the play's over and five seconds later you're over the ball, snapping it for the next play. And that's all about having success on first down and staying ahead of the chains. you got two backs that help you with that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, This is a great text here. I don't know about Jackson Dart's personality, but some quarterbacks thrive in those environments. He will have the opportunity to have a huge day against that secondary if LSU goes all in to stop the run. He's the X factor, in my opinion. I don't disagree with anything in that message. Not one thing. Half an hour left with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up after the break in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. You uh, you want to be a part of the conversation? Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Next couple of weekends will be a little quieter with no home football games. There's still plenty happening in and around Oxford. In fact, I bumped into somebody today. Said he and his wife had decided to come to Oxford this weekend. They live in California. He got some ties to Ole Miss, but uh, live in California. We're planning on getting away and just doing something like, hey, let's go to Oxford and hang out this weekend. Be a little quieter, no home football. Good, good, get away. And uh, so you can go to the visitoxfordms.com webpage, click on the events calendar, and see all that's happening. Be sure to follow along on their social media channels as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Visit Oxford MS. We've got a predicted order of finish for basketball in the SEC. You had SEC basketball media days, the media predictions. 
SEC champion. Do you want to guess, Borky, who's predicted to win the SEC in basketball? Uh, the team that lost to St. Peter's in the uh, tournament last year? Yeah, that's the one. The Kentucky Wildcats picked to win the SEC. Go Peacocks. Would you like to guess the preseason SEC player of the year? Oscar Sheboy. Oscar Sheboy. If you had voted, would you have voted for those two? Yes. Okay. Just, I mean, I mean he's going to average like 27 rebounds per game. He's really good. Really, really good. Here is your predicted order of finish by the media for SEC Basketball 2022. Kentucky 1, Arkansas 2, Tennessee 3, Auburn 4, Nate Oates and Alabama 5, Texas A&M 6, Florida 7, who had uh, basketball coach at Florida with the departure of Mike White to Athens. He's now in Georgia. New head coach at LSU, McMahon. What's his first name? Right, whatever. McMahon's his last name. I'm giving myself points for remembering that. Uh, they're picked to finish eighth. Ole Miss picked to finish nine. Mississippi State picked to finish ten. Missouri 11. Vanderbilt 12. Georgia 13. South Carolina 14. What does that say? I mean, State's in a similar boat with a new coach and all that, but what does that say mm-hmm. about Ole Miss when they are picked to finish behind LSU with their fallout from the Will Wade firing and roster turnover and all that. I think it says LSU rebuilt in a hurry. Like they lost. They had one scholarship player returning and then they just yeah. crushed it in the in the portal. Hey, here's to me where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are. When you when you're picked preseason nine ten in the SEC, you are in a spot where you are two SEC wins from being five, six, seven and being a bubble team. And you're also two wins or two losses from being in that 12, 13, 14 and playing on the first day of the SEC tournament when there are 17 people in the arena. That's where you are. You catch some breaks, you stay healthy, you have some contributions that maybe you didn't expect. You're an NCAA bubble tournament team. You play below expectations, and it's really bad. They need to be. That's what, you know, we don't need to have this conversation today, the should you, should you not invest in basketball, because any the answer is yes, of course. And especially when we have seen, since I've lived here, which is now 12 years, by the way, it's shocking to me, but I haven't been here as long as a lot of you listening. I have seen... Where not great Ole Miss and State basketball teams, but just good ones, have been supported like crazy. I've seen it. Like there is the energy, the thirst for, again, not great, but just good enough basketball here. It is supported, and it's so much fun. That that's what's frustrating. It's it feels like we're so far removed from remembering how fun good basketball is as a sports fan. And that happened in a while. But, man, competitive basketball. I mean, when you're walking to the arena in early February, when it's cold out and you get to take your jacket off, and, and you watch just fun college basketball, that, that that's a thing that even this state that loves its baseball so much raucously supports. And we've just yeah. missed it for a while. 
And I think people are kind of forgetting what that feels like to play meaningful basketball in late January and February. It's a blast. Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame has announced its 2023 induction class. There are some names on here that you certainly will recognize. Jeff Harrod, outstanding defensive player at Ole Miss. Second all-time leading tackler in SEC history. Drafted by the Colts in 1988. Paul Mahalem. Born in Holly Springs, graduated from Germantown, Tennessee High School. Went to play for Ron Polk at Mississippi State. Drafted by the Minnesota Twins out of high school, but chose to go to state instead. To this day, he is fourth all-time in strikeouts and innings pitch for a Bulldog and is the fifth winningest pitcher in school history. John Mangum, McGee native. Yes, he is from the Mangum family in Mississippi. Brother Chris Mangum. Uncle to Jake Mangum, nine years playing in the NFL for the Chicago Bears after an outstanding career at Alabama, native of McGee, Mississippi. Jim Page, 34 years as the head baseball coach at Millsaps College. Tony Rossetti, this one's interesting. He is the first marksman to be included into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. Notre Dame High School won the Mississippi State Junior Championship at age 14, won the 1971 Skeet Championship in Phoenix, Arizona, was on the Pan American Games gold medal winning team. In 1972, he was on the U.S. team in the Olympics in Munich, Germany. Congratulations to Tony Rossetti. That's cool. Carol Ross from Yellowbush County, born in Oakland, Mississippi, played at Ole Miss, on the first ever SEC All-Tournament team in 1980, went on to have an outstanding coaching career at Florida and then back at her alma mater at Ole Miss before moving on to the WNBA, where she was the WNBA Coach of the Year with the Los Angeles Sparks in 2012. Patrick Sertain grew up in New Orleans, played quarterback, baseball, basketball, and ran track, went to Southern Miss, four-year letterman as a defensive back and was the Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year in 1997, second-round pick by the Dolphins in 1998. Started all 16 games by his third year in the league. NFL Defensive Back of the Year with six picks in 2002. And Lewis Tillman, running back from Hazelhurst, played at Jackson State. In his first college game, went for over 100 yards, 1987. He was the SWAC Player of the Year, first-team all-conference. 1,474 yards, broke the single-season record of Walter Payton. During his Jackson State career, he ran for more than 100 yards, 19 times finished, just shy of 4,000 yards rushing. By the way, I need to correct myself. John Mangum is the father of Jake Mangum, who, by the way, one day will be also inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, it will certainly be a family affair at some point in the future. So thank you for uh, correcting me there. Uh, it's, a really, uh, it's a really accomplished induction class this year and means so much to those folks and to their families and the people that saw them play. Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, an absolute treasure in the state of Mississippi. Borky, we've been there. We've seen it. And just a, just such a cool venue. They do such a good job with it. Yeah, they do. They really do. 
that that's the one place that I cannot wait to start taking my little guy to. He's just too young to you know know any of this. We kicked back and forth a soccer ball this morning. So he's like at that stage in his sports fandom. We'll get there eventually. I can't wait for that. Because my dad used to take me to stuff like that. And and I'm not a big sports history guy. Yeah. But when it's presented in those ways, it gets me. Yeah. Interactive stuff. If you've never been to the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, highly recommend you put that on your list and check it out. Because... The athletics achievements of Mississippians are chronicled there like they are chronicled nowhere else. Really, really cool. we got just uh, just a few minutes left with you. Or can I get a little nervous? Nervous for what? Flag football tonight. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Pack- Packers are 1-1. One one. Won-, won the opener, lost a heartbreaker in game two. Got a uh, got a big one coming up tonight. You got to coach better. D- dug ourselves out of a pretty good hole in the second half in uh, in game two. Kind of came down to the very end and uh, didn't quite get it done at the very end. You're right. They need a better coach. But I'm not giving up the reins. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to drag that clipboard out of my cold dead hands. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi wrapping it up with you coming up next. Number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man. Bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Is there anything that is more irrelevant, Michael Borky, than midseason following week seven bowl projections? Anything you can think of that's more irrelevant? Oh, there's a few things, I guess. Okay, so let's talk about them. (laughs) Midseason bowl projections from CBS Sports. College football playoff semifinals. Georgia, Tennessee. Ohio State, Clemson. So that implies that Georgia runs the table, Tennessee loses to Georgia. Or or Tennessee runs the table. And Georgia gets in with one loss, that loss being to Tennessee. I guess. Because then, assuming whoever... They go and they win the SEC championship game over whoever the opponent is. I feel like if Alabama gets another shot at Tennessee, they'll win. Yeah, there are a lot of people that think that. In Atlanta. I think they would. But who knows. Either way, I don't think it's going to go down like that. Okay. New Year's Six games. Orange Bowl. Wake Forest, Penn State. Yeah, gross. Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Oklahoma State. I wish the SEC was not locked into the permanent Big 12 in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Cotton Bowl, 
Oregon, Cincinnati. Uh. Rose Bowl, Michigan, Southern Cal. So they think that... Man, I would love to know how they get to that conclusion. Because no Michigan in the playoff, no Ohio State in the playoff, and only no, no, no. one... Ohio, Ohio State's Ohio, in the playoff. Oh, Play, uh, Clemson. Obviously Clemson. So they so, think so Ohio State's going to State run the table beating beat Michigan. Michigan in the game. Hmm. Uh, and that means Southern Cal wins the, the uh, Pac-12 but doesn't get in the playoff. We sure they're going to win the Pac-12? I, I would love to have them sit down and show their work on how th- these teams finished. And, and it's just bold projections. I, I get it. But I feel like we have more chaos incoming than just, yeah, Clemson's going to run the table. And, yeah, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan's going to make it. That Just write that off, no problem. Sign and me up for chaos. I, I, if any year up. in recent history is going to give us chaos, I feel like it's this one. Yeah, I mean, how often have we had even Clemson? I think is flawed. Now they have uh, fewer landmines on their schedule than anybody else because they play in the ACC, and the ACC is hot garbage this year compared to the SEC. But everybody feels flawed, and ev- this is the first year in a while where I thought, you know, everybody in the top ten can beat each other. I think. I think they can. I mean, we just saw it, right? But I think it extends beyond just one upset. I think there are, for the first time in a while, double-digit teams in college football that actually can line up and beat each other. And you don't have to stretch your mind to get there. Other bowl game projections, Citrus Bowl, Purdue, Ole Miss. The ReliaQuest Bowl, I guess that's Tampa now. Pittsburgh and Kentucky. Music City Bowl, Illinois, Mississippi State. Gator Bowl, Notre Dame, Arkansas. Uh, Cheez-It Bowl, North Carolina, Texas. Texas Bowl, Kansas State, Texas A&M. These guys suck at projecting bowl games. These are ugly. Awful matchups. Baylor, Florida in the Liberty Bowl. Oh, gross. I mean, they, they would have to pay people. Like, you couldn't offer me free tickets and a free ride to that game. You'd have to put a little extra on there to get me to go. Who we got in Vegas? Washington against LSU in the Las Vegas Bowl. Be fun people watching. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Old Dominion and Memphis in the Fenway Bowl. Congratulations to UTEP and Central Michigan in the Bahamas Bowl. Yeah, good for them. How, how long before the SEC starts putting events in Las Vegas? No, no, no. Well, I, I don't think they're going that far out of the footprint. You don't think so? I think Dallas is on the horizon. If we're being honest, Vegas makes more sense for the basketball tournament than Tampa. Yeah, although it was reasonably well attended. Uh, hey, this is uh, from Ole Miss Athletics statement from the department. Ole Miss head volleyball coach Caleb Banworth is not with the team as we conduct a review of the program. During her leave, assistant coach Bree Henry will serve as acting head coach. Doesn't sound great. 
Thanks for being with us. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad will have you tomorrow. Enjoy your Thursday night in the Pearl River Resort Studio. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Good night. a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.